podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and tonight I'm joined by Amy Canavan and Kevin Graham who has taken over from Colin Watt in the uh, post-game analysis. Kevin, you didn't get a chance to speak before or at half-time. Um, sum it up, is that Ange ball? Is that what Dan Orowitz warned us about? Oh, right, right away. What I'm going to say is this Ange ball I'm not into the term anymore because it makes it sound like we're watching some freak show in a circus somewhere where, like, when you go to see a 15-foot woman or something like that. All we're, all we're seeing is a modern style of play, which has not been seen in Scotland before because we're quite backwards and McGee caps to guys like Scott McKenna and stuff like that. Eh? There's other teams all over Europe play this style of football. Eh, Atalanta, other teams. Eh? So Ange Ball makes it sound a bit freaky for me. I enjoyed that the night. I would rather go out there and have a narrow defeat uh, and actually give it a go. And we gave it a go the night. Um, why, look, the guys, the, the boys who didn't, who weren't up to the task, we've already named them in previous programmes this week. The ones that we thought might have let us down when the injuries and all, when the injuries and all of that started taking, taking, uh, taking hold of us. Eh? But, we had to bet us, we made better sweat. We made them have to go up through the gears tonight. There's been so there's been so many times over the last couple of years where we've just not turned up away games in Europe. Never never made the team work. Betis had to go through the through the gears tonight and they had to work up a sweat to beat us. Aye, there's a, there's a question about the mentality of the team. We can't lose two goals in two minutes the way that we did. Two nothing up, maybe the game. I don't think there's a question with the tactics. I think it's more a question than the mentality of the players that we've got there. Eh? And I enjoyed that. Tonight. I think there's so many positives. I think Rogic, Rogic was great. I thought Turnbull was great. Adam Montgomery, he's got a quietness, a quiet coolness about him. It reminds me a bit of Callum McGregor when Callum McGregor first broke into the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he just knows what he's meant to be doing Quietly and, that, effective. and yeah. that's really really good look Ralston had a great last 15 minutes there we, the, the, the previous 75 minutes is probably one of the reasons why there's still a lot of doubts about him I think there was more positives than 
negatives and that. I mean, we were talking yesterday, Paul, when we actually thought that we were like, we could have been known for an offie doing the night. We never got a, we never got an offie doing. There's still work to be done, but overall, aye, I'm quite happy tonight. I'm actually quite happy. But there's glaring. There's obviously there's obvious deficiencies in that side, and they need sorted. But they're not going to be sorted in eight weeks, six weeks, or one transfer window. They're not going to be sorted. At not one point did I think we didn't deserve to be on that part tonight. No. And you look at and you look at the players that were missing. And you go, I need to take that as a positive. I need to take that away as a massive, massive positive. Well, see the thing coming into the, the post-match, Kevin, often you're so disappointed with the performance, or we have been over the last year, many, many times, and it's frustrating. And you become critical. I don't mean you specifically, but as a panel, you become very critical. I'm not feeling like that tonight. And um, that's despite the fact that we were 2 nothing up. That's despite the, the defensive frailties. But there's other reasons around uh, me not feeling like that tonight. Now, in a nutshell, I think Alan Robertson says it well. Great attack and play, but naive defensively. Yeah, very naive. But there's a point at that game where you think to yourself, yeah, we're maybe losing it a wee bit at 3-2. Uh, we've not made any changes at half time. But what changes can he make? That's the biggest frustration. So I can't place that on the shoulders of Ange Postecoglou. He's looking at a bench there and he simply didn't have the personnel to make a... There wasn't a game changer sitting on that bench, was there? No. Um, the only change he could make, he's made it because he's brought McCarthy on for sorrow. And by the way, you know, he might have made that change at half-time if I'm going to be ultra, ultra um, critical of the gaffer. I'd say maybe he could have made that, that change at halftime. But I'm not going to focus on that because there was a lot to be positive about. Now, before I come to yourself, Amy, uh, Kevin brought up Tony Ralston. No, it wasn't his best game tonight. He's spot on. But what I don't like seeing after 65, 70 minutes is people saying, that's why he's not good enough for this level. And we've seen a lot of that. And he seems to be on a very short leash with quite a lot of Celtic fans and quite a lot of the Axon contributors in our WhatsApp group have got that kind of feeling as soon as he's not having a great game. But he showed, like Kevin says, in the, in the dying embers of that game, he showed why he's in the team. And he's showing why, um, you know, to be honest with you, it's, an, it's a miraculous kind of turnaround in his career. We give massive plaudits to players who go away and I'm not comparing them, go away and prove us wrong. I think Ralston's proved a lot of people wrong this season. And although that wasn't his best performance tonight, Amy, I think we're too quick to jump on Tony Ralston, you know. Absolutely. You know, um, he's still carrying that whipping boy um, sort of label and he will remain the whipping boy for, for a, a section of the support. By all means, it wasn't his greatest game tonight. Um, but I think that probably shows the standards that he set in recent weeks. He gave 100% and he will always give 100%. He was given 100% right up to that death. Uh, the death, sorry. Um, I think if you're being totally critical as well, as much as we're praising Jota going forward, I think he needs to be a little bit wiser. Um, defensively, I don't think he came and gave uh, Tony Ralston a lot of support. You know, you look at the, I'm trying to remember now, I think it's the third goal. Um, third goal, he's relying on Sorrow, um, you know, to, for, for the cover. There's that Sorrow doesn't get out tight enough. Perhaps that's because I think others have said that in, the, in our group chat that, you know, he's on a book and he's feeling a bit 
no matter what, to be honest, for me, it needs to be a little bit tighter. But Ralston deserves cover there. You know, this is that's where, where Betis are getting all the joy. So you double up. If it's anybody else, you're more than happy to double up. So why is Ralston expected to, know, you know, take it all in his stride and take it all by himself? So for me, going forward, especially in Europe, Jota is as influential as he is going forward. He needs to do the dirty work coming back as well. Mm. Um that's something that, you know, James Forrest had to adapt over the years. And it's probably something that we're missing. Again, James Forrest, another one who's always the whipping boy, but he does always get back and does his defensive work. He's always done that. So that's something going forward that Jota will need to do. But then you're thinking again, maybe if Cal Mack was playing, he'd have saw that and he'd have been that cover for Ralston or if there was somebody else, but Sorrow wasn't really thinking quick enough either. So yeah, Ralston's going to get a, a lot of the blame from a lot of the support. Certainly not from myself. It's not his greatest game, but he, he does need a a lot more cover and that's not anything on his abilities but one man cannot be expected to you know to be facing all of that you know Juranovic sorry wasn't really troubled down um, down the, the left because that's not where Betis were going so you've got to follow where the, the, the positive play for the opposition was it was down Ralston's side that's just the way that it goes and if it would be the exact same if Juranovic well, we'd be expecting Sorrow to be there or uh, we'd be expecting um, would be expecting trackers back from, from Montgomery which I, I believe he done as well I know that's more in his play but I think as much as you're going to criticise Ralston then you've got to share share the blame, I don't like the word blame but as a team effort I know it's that cliche but he uh, he needed more cover tonight and his, his teammates weren't really there to support him. Good point an excellent point in fact. Now Kevin, um, one thing I've got noted here is margins and particularly in Europe uh, because it's great when you're winning 6 nothing domestically, that's tremendous. And sometimes your defensive frailties aren't shown up because your, your possession uh, in the final third is, is vast. Therefore, you know, you get away even if there has been any kind of slackness. So that that's one thing. But you come up against a, a, a real quality side in Europe like we did tonight. And we spoke yesterday about Celtic's aspirations in Europe and the fact that it's frustrating as a fan that we can't go toe-to-toe um, even with you know the, the litany of clubs that have put us out of the Champions League in the last six years or so, Kev, they're the kind of clubs that we would expect to, to be competing with, you know, Cluj, AAK Athens, Malmo, Ferenc Varos. We, we would expect to be competing against those clubs. You come up against a Leverkusen or a Real Betis and you think to yourself, well, you know, if we go away from home and they beat us, although it's expected, um, you want to put in a good account of yourself. Now, fine margins. Now, I know, um, Joe Hart made five saves that I counted uh, tonight, five um, saves, some of them were pivotal but we've hit the post with Tommy Rogic, excellent effort, we've scored a goal that was chopped off and you know we've come away from that and we've lost the, in the odd goal in seven so you know it's fine, fine margins Kev, what do we do to, to shorten the margins is it all about just a wee bit more discipline in terms of the, the, the defensive play, not just by the defenders. I mean, Amy's already picked up on Yota's indiscipline defensively. We've already spoken about Sorrell's indiscipline. Is it just a, a wee bit of discipline? Is it fine-tuning? Or is that margin just too far a bridge to gap? Dermot Desmond spends £100 million and, and that's not going to hurt me. But what we need today is develop better players. Players develop with a better mentality. As I says right at the start, I think the team have bought into the style Poster Coglu wants to play. And but have they got the mentality, have they got the ability to do that? Tonight, Sorrow was all over the shop after the booting. 
He, he was he was a man down after the booting. Caused two goals. Amy's already spoke about the third goal where Yota should have covered. But you look at Sorrow. What's he doing with his hands behind his back? No going to actually cover, cover the guy. Eh? It's horrendous. And the, the first goal that we lost as well, he's powder puff on the edge of the box as well when the, when the header drops and allowed to go through. So... We spoke yesterday, Paul, about the difference in quality between Callum McGregor and Sorrow. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do now, as you've got Callum McGregor, we need to find somebody that's in the middle between Callum McGregor and Sorrow to come into that side. Is that James McCarthy? It's extremely obvious that James McCarthy's not fit enough to play 90 minutes. So that's why he's coming on when he's coming on. Mm-hmm. Because if we had a strong enough bench, I'm sure Sorrow would have been hooked after 20 minutes tonight if we had somebody on the bench to come on to actually change that game. We only made one sub the night, and I think that says everything. Yeah. What we need to do is develop these young laddies. You look at Montgomery, you've got to give Postacoglu time. There is quite, I mean, we've got to win away eventually. We have got to win away eventually, and it's the mentality of this team. But you look at the way Postacoglu handle, handles himself in the press in front of everybody, and I picture him in the dressing room trying to get the mentality of these players and all it's going to take is one result. All it's going to take is one result, and this team's going to click. But where we want to be in Europe, which is winning this group or finishing second in the group, we are far away from that. But I'm really pleased tonight that we looked like we should have been on that part with a fair base squad. And, yes. we, and we did make mistakes, and that's no saying that. But at no one point did I ever think we were going to well, get over one. No. no. I'm going to ask you then, Kev. That being the case, you bring back Chris Julien, you bring back Callum McGregor, you bring back Kyogo and Abada and your first choice left back in Taylor. You bring these players back, James Forrest, there's half a dozen players, right, who may be first picks, certainly first team players. You bring them back, how much does that improve your side, uh, that threadbare side that we we seen this evening? And what how much of a difference does that make? Does that then make you more confident that, you know what, once these players come back, we might be able to to go for second place? Or is it a case, Kevin, that we're never going to have that luxury? You want to have that luxury. You really do want to have that luxury. And you've got to think that when we play in the next couple of games, we go to the double-header against Fenerbahce, Varos, which for me was always the two pivotal games to ensure European football after Christmas. You've, you've got to think some of these key players will be back. You've got to think Forrest will be back, McGregor will be back. You've got to hope that uh, Giacomacus will actually be up to speed by that point. Kyogo's going to be back as well. And you've just got to hope in the games where, you, the games where you're expected to win, uh, then these guys do make a difference. Longer term, we're going to need better players and develop better players all over the shop. We know that. But in the short term, we should be looking to actually get four points, four points out of six against Ferris Varoc. And the confidence we can take from the night and the learning, the learning things we can take from tonight and whatever happens against Leverkusen in a couple of weeks... If we give another great performance against Leverkusen, then we can go into the Ferris Varoc doubleheader actually feeling good about ourselves, especially with us getting the players back. Well, I mentioned six players who were out tonight. You could add on top of that, one of them not injured, of course, Abada for religious reasons, Yakamakis, Beaton, Johnson, Dembele. There's 10 players, Amy, who were out of tonight's game. 
When they do come back, how confident are you that we've got a squad that will get us up to January at least because it still needs strengthened and tonight showed that. I mean, it's a, a kind of freaky occurrence when you've got 10 first-team players that are unavailable for selection. So to go out there, put a good account of yourself, as Kevin says, you've not embarrassed yourself. It's 4-3 and, you know, some of those goals can go down to individual errors. How confident that we are at a stage where, you know what, we might be able to compete in this group as these players start filtering back into the first team squad? God knows what it'll be like and um, when it'll be, you know, that, that Ange Postacoglu have a, a full strength squad. They said that just yesterday, it's just been a constant state of flux um, since, uh, since he's took over. You know, he's never had more than, I think he's always had like three or four, if not more players out um, and they're influential players. To be honest, you mentioned one there, I'd have had near beat on it um, Centre defensive mid ahead of Sorrow tonight. <laughs> it could be a bold, a bold move, but I think anybody right now is better than Sorrow. I, um, I think Beaton's injured, but then I also think if he was available, he would have been missing for religious reasons as well. Yeah, you're right, Kev. Actually, that's a good shout. Um, but but then you think about that. So then, if if, if Cal Max still again, I think he's going to be. He has to be an option now, even ahead of Sorrow. And who maybe would have really thought that? I am. Um, as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Can we see it through till January? Well, we're just going to simply have to, you know, strength and depth is, is certainly needed in January. Um, tonight's just another glaring example for Ange to give to the board that he needs and deserves the backing in January because, you know, this isn't a squad that you can see see you through till the end of the season. It's certainly not a squad that can certainly not see you through to the latter stages of Europe and it'll be, you know, we all said it was going to be a minor miracle tonight, to be honest, if, um, if Celtic got a result tonight, certainly a positive result and, and a win. You know, if you look at that, if you t- any of us would have took 4-3, to be honest. I think if, if before the game, I think a lot of us would have took 4-3. I know, Paul, you asked us for our predictions and Colin and I were both hoping for um, for a point. But 4-3, you think, wow, we've maybe gave a decent account of ourselves. I appreciate Kev's uh, positivity and I like it, but I don't know. I find it really hard. Uh, this is when my pessimism comes through. When you're 2-0 up, um, you know, you, you should be winning games and, and even more so when you're scoring three goals away from home, you should really be winning games um, I think as, as you said Paul, a lot of those goals are actually quite avoidable, they're schoolboy errors, um, they're individual errors I think perhaps maybe if it were a strong, well, obviously if we had a stronger backline perhaps a, a greater partnership uh, a stronger understanding between Carter Vickers and Sarfield, I think in the uh, half time maybe we said it was a really decent uh, understanding but I think that was really um, probably a little bit too premature I think there was a moment in the second half Carter Vickers were going for the header Safet mm-hmm. was coming across and you just think just communicate guys um, so it's little things like that that you hope over time will you know come, come to play and come into force so you need to try and take the positives but if you, you take that game in isolation you know in those opening 25 minutes Real Betis were all over the shot we really should have had that game dead and buried um, you know Jota has that chance there was a few more that I just thought that we could have went at it. But look, as, as Kev says, you've, you've got to try and take the positives. We have to try and take the positives here. Um, but I think right now you can still be a little bit ruin it because we were in a fantastic position and ultimately we let it slip. Yeah, we did. We threw away a two-goal lead. The point of the central defensive partnership, Kevin, 
it's been a bone of contention all season. But if you think of Starfelt in the first instance, right, so when he's come in, he's played alongside Beaton, it's then switched to Stephen Welsh, and he's now trying to forge a third partnership this time with Carter Vickers. Um, it's only the second time these guys have played together. Um, so, yeah, there was that moment, and I felt a bit daft having said that they were building a good relationship where five minutes later, it's as if they'd never met each other in the box. Kevin, when it comes to, let's say, the latter half of the, the latter part of this year, um, and those relationships have built gradually over time, uh, you know, that kind of thing there is, you know, it's not a new signing, but once that understanding happens, and they're getting an understanding with Joe Hart behind them as well, um, I think we're going to see a completely different beast here. When I look at Yota, um, he played very well in the, the first half of his debut, and I think that actually he was involved throughout the game tonight. When he's firing on all cylinders and you've got a badder firing on all cylinders on the right-hand side and Kyogo through the middle, then you start to see Angie's team taking shape. But regardless of all that, he's looking at a bench there and it's completely underwhelming. Now, there's two reasons for that. I think there's a bit of kind of short-termism in that we didn't uh, strengthen the squad as much as we should have done. But also, it, it then veers into structural uh, territory mm-hmm. because when you put a younger, a youngster on that bench... If they're on the bench, that means they've got to be able to play. No matter, you know, they've got to be ready, they've got to be fit enough and they've got to be capable enough to actually play in that game because there might be a a moment in that match where you've got to throw them on. But what I've noted here is we don't have a game changer. So what what I mean by structural, this is a deeper issue. We don't have a striker that's coming through the ranks that can change a game that's on that bench, a prolific goal scorer. We don't have it. And that that concerns me. When was the last time we had a player that we could call upon from the the youth academy that, you know, he's on that bench and this is your big chance? We know that the players we're providing uh, to the first team are good enough. Look at Montgomery, for example, he's come in. And for me, he he never put a foot wrong to a couple of straight passes. I've probably Mm -hmm. just contradicted myself. But that, uh, that was very, very minimal in terms of his overall performance. He's put in 90 minutes. It's his second start in a Celtic jersey. He doesn't look out of place. Why can't we do that? Why can't we identify someone up front, an offensive style player, who can sit on that bench for Celtic tonight? And with 10 minutes to go when a Yeti is, is ultimately tiring, which he did, we're able to throw him on. It's a huge frustration to me. It's a huge frustration. I think, again, tonight when you looked at the bench, it's a huge frustration at the lack of planning and foresight that this football club has at a European level. I mean, we, we've spoken about it before, and it's something Brown Warrior says in the comments that Maloney was probably the last game changer that's actually came through the came through the academy. You could probably argue with that, but he's got a point. Uh, Maloney could change a game, but tonight we had nothing on the bench whatsoever. Uh, absolutely nothing. And when you've got five attacking players, I mean, you look at the game against Ross County on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had no attackers on the bench whatsoever. There was yeah. nobody there to change the, change the bench whatsoever. And we'll, we'll have to have a look at this and. You have a look, Shaw wasn't even considered to come on tonight. You're a ge- uh, uh, and you're going, our midfield was getting overrun. And you can blame Starfield, you can have a look at Cameron Vickers. But defensively, as a shape, we were overrun in the midfield and we, and we gave up the wide areas. There was no tracking back in the wide areas. And that's very difficult for the two centre-halves to actually handle. 
because they're getting constantly overrun. Um, I think the the third goal was it, the one that Sorrell put his hands behind his back. Cameron yeah. Vickers and Starfield were having a wee bit of an argument with that because I think Cameron Vickers thought Starfield should have went with the guy. I thought it was a great... I, I would rather have seen the ball stopped further out than, than it getting into the box. It is a frustration, Paul, and I'm sure Postacoglu is going to be frustrated, frustrated as, as well. Um, what's great about football is we've got another game on Sunday to try and get this away monkey off our back. And uh, it, it's good to move on. Postacoglu is eventually, I mean, now, now the transfer window is done. This is really the start of the Postacoglu era because he's no dealing with any major legacy issues. He's done as much as he can. And now everything's basically on him going forward. And I think tonight, the guys that we expected to let us down, let us down. But there was a lot more positives came out of it. For me anyway. But I understand why everybody's saying... 2 0 up, that's disappointing with 2 0 up getting beat 4 3. But we were up against a quality side here. And for us not to give up in that last 15 minutes, dragged dragged forward by a right back, Anthony Ralston, yeah. an, an academy player who had a, like, a horrendous 75 minutes before that, then you've got to say there is heart in that squad. We just need a different mentality. But that's going to come down to man management and development the longer Postacoglu has them. You know, you, you mentioned there about uh, Carter Vickers and, and Starfield becoming frustrated with each other. In two or three months' time, this is what I'm saying, Kevin, that will be natural. One of them will, will make the run, the other one will understand that he's making the run because they'll build that relationship. So <laughs> we're, we're, at the, we're at an embryonic stage of Postacoglu's team here. What you've got to remember as well, Carter Vickers hasn't played much football. I think the, the, the element that Amy's talking about, I think that's tiredness. That's just mental tiredness and physical tiredness coming in. And also with Yota, he hasn't played a lot of football either. So tracking back against the on that better side, he has to improve it. But I, I'm putting a lot of it down to fitness tonight. I'm, I'm get, maybe giving him a free pass tonight because yeah. of his lack of fitness. But I thought he looked better on the right-hand side than what he did on the left. Interesting, because he, he reckons himself that left is his best position. Um, we've got to talk about Turnbull and Roger came in because uh, you know, there's a lot of comments at the beginning of the game uh, around the fact that they shouldn't be playing in the same team, for example. That was quite a, a comment that came through quite a few times. Both players finished the game. What was your take on it? There's a lot of comments coming through, very positive comments about Tommy Rodgick. Um, he's completely transformed his style of play. I mean, he used to, I, th I always thought he played on the periphery, the edges of the game, and he would flip in and out. And if the ball was lost, you would never expect him to have that defensive discipline to win it back. He, he seems to be a completely different player. Turnbull as well, he gets a lot of flack. People don't think that the defensive side of the, the game is, is one of his strengths, Amy. But overall, Turnbull and Roderick, how do you think they perform tonight? I thought Rogic in particular was outstanding. I really did. I think um, he's one of the, the, the star players that Celtic have to look at tonight. Um, you know, I think for starters, for him to last 90 minutes, that's, uh, I agree. Um, that's, that's nearly unheard of in recent times. But And it wasn't even, you know, I think there was a few at halftime. I've seen a few on Twitter. I think people are saying, oh, that's some tiring already. Well, he certainly didn't show it in the second half. Um, he, didn't, he didn't become a passenger late on. You could still, he was still, you know, 
interfering and, and, and causing, causing a nuisance for himself. It was a delightful ball in. Obviously, a Yeti was offside, but it was a terrific little ball in for, for a Yeti's header that, that got disallowed late on. Um, I was really, really impressed by, by Tom Rogic tonight. David Turnbull, I agree that I think that was probably on show quite a lot tonight. His lack of defensive abilities, he doesn't really like to track back. Near does Rogic by that matter, um, but David Turnbull is a little bit quicker. Um I think I'm quicker than Tom Rogic. Um, but he doesn't get back an awful lot. And I think that probably showed as well, um, you know, and left a lot for McCarthy when it was McCarthy. He he kind of had to do that, do all that by himself there. But they were both really impressive tonight. Like I say, Rogic, I think more so. Um, but just because I'm, I'm not praising David Turnbull as much, somebody said that, you know, he does all that, that quiet work. I don't know if that was Kev saying about um, Montgomery, that he, he does it kind of kind of behind the spotlight. But I thought if anyone was going to create anything tonight, it was going to be Jota or Rogic. They were they were linking up and everything was just sort of clicking there. So it's a massive performance in him, probably one of his biggest away um, in Europe in a long time. And then for David Turnbull as well, because he's been, so, we've, we've criticised him, and, and quite rightly to be honest, that he's not really turned up in the big games because we expect it from him, because we expect him to be a big game player. It wasn't an outstanding performance tonight, but it was not, um, it was nothing to be disappointed by and considering in the last few games we've all kind of been like David Tumble's just not really turning up here he certainly turned up tonight um, and they're the positives that, that Kevin was drawing on that we need to try and take from but for the both of them as well to last 90 minutes um, probably more through necessity than anything else they were probably forced to because you look at that bench and, and who's coming on um, but they, they certainly gave it their all uh, and, you, and you look at the, the attacking options that Celtic had on the park tonight probably compares to Betis and they're managing to bring on all these subs you know like like a Rello, um it's absolutely exceptional that they can bring him on. So, look, it, it was a decent effort and, and I was quite impressed by Rogers tonight. Yeah, I mean, again, going back to the frustration that Ange must feel, he's looking at that bench, there's no game changers. Uh, there's no influ- influencers, let's say, who are going to come on and, and influence the game, contribute to the game. Yet, we've, we've loaned out quite a few players. Um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have, but it must be a frustration that we've got a striker in Griffiths who's at Dundee who should have been a contributor who wasn't. We've got a player in Cham who should have been a contributor, but he was obviously such a bad influence that we tore up his contract. Uh, and because we don't have two of these experienced players... We've got a couple of guys on the bench, 18-year-old, never had kicked, you know, who's played two games for Celtic or uh, two guys that were brought in from Sheffield Wednesday who have never played for Celtic. And, and that must be a frustration, Kevin, because these were legacy issues that Ange Postecoglou inherited. Um, hopefully by the end of the January transfer window, there'll be f- uh, fewer of them. Eddie McCallum comes in. Ralston didn't have a horrible 75 minutes tosh. And when I hear the name Tosh, Kev, if you grew a moustache, you would look a wee bit like Tosh from the bill. Now, that's before Amy's time, but Eddie's <laughs> called you Tosh there. Uh, we didn't have a horrible 75 minutes. I think I was watching him. He was becoming frustrated, Ralston. He was becoming frustrated. There was a couple of moments where he's given a wee bit of yeah, afters to a couple of their players. Once on the touchline, he's getting frustrated with the referee. He's giving the back chat to the ref. I think within himself, he knew he wasn't having a great performance. But one thing about Ralston, you know, he was completely dedicated. He had the heart to continue. But he won two corners near the end of the game and he obviously scored the third goal to, you know, drag us back into it. Um, so... You know, once we go up, come up to Livingston, it's a nice segue to bring us up to the next game. We're playing Livingston away from home. What changes between tonight's lineup and Sunday's lineup, Kevin Graham? 
Uh, I think just to go back to the the Rogic point, as I was watching it on uh, a stream. It was CBS America, and the American commentator was absolutely raving about about Rogic. Absolutely raving about him, about his feet and how he used to play futsal, and just to just to bring that back. Sundays we're going to a plastic pitch on Sunday. I think it just depends who's fit for the night and who's going to make enough progress over the next couple of days to yeah. actually bring back in. But what you're looking at, the majority of the team that played the night is going to have to go again on Sunday. Yeah, if, absolutely. I mean, if you have a look at the what Ange says pre-match. And we're lucky that nobody got injured tonight. And I don't think we've mentioned Ayeti. I thought Ayeti was okay tonight. I thought he actually put, put in a decent enough shift. Uh, but we're asking this team to go again. We're mm-hmm. asking them to go again mm-hmm. against a Livingston side that are struggling. We sometimes struggle when we go there as well. Uh, but you, you look at the, the league games that we've got. Uh, we've got Livingston, then Dundee United, uh, Rafe in the Cup then Aberdeen away. We need to win all four of the games. Sunday is massive already to get the three points. But we need that. We need this. Ange is always in a state of flux. We need we need that 11 to go again. We do yeah. need that 11 to go again. Yeah, and right. the, 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 there's no, there's, there's nothing to change unless, unless Jack Amarcus can make the bench. He's not going to start. There, there's nothing there. But that 11 starts again on Sunday. And then we might have to look to some of the younger guys to come off the bench when we get to 60, 70 minutes. Well, a couple of things. Firstly, when I'm mentioning guys like Incham and Griffiths, it's not because I'm bemoaning the fact that they've left. What I'm saying is, Ange Postacoglu was in a situation where he's got two experienced players with bags of European experience, and they're not available to us for two non-footballing reasons. One attitude, the other behaviour and attitude so these are things that he has inherited to add to all the problems of the 10 injured players or 10 players who were unavailable tonight the fact that we brought in 12 and we've offloaded 15 so I actually feel for Postacoglu and I think that's why um, you know a, a result like tonight a couple of defeats in the league um, getting knocked out of the Champions League there's no real panic at this moment in time, Amy. You know, if, if this was season two or three of Postacoglu's tenure and this was happening, then I'd be worried. Um, what's your thoughts on what, what Kev says there about Livingston? I mean, the games do come in thick and fast. Do you think there will be any changes um, or are we kind of hoping that one or two come back from, from injury? We hope Abada will be back and then you hope obviously Callum McGregor could possibly be back. Um, I don't think it was too serious. I know so you, you can be a little bit hopeful there, but, you know, Kev's spot on. Every game's going to be massive now. Livingston was massive even before tonight. No matter what the, the result, it was irrelevant. The, the league has to be priority. It will remain priority. Um, so, so as, as Kev rightly says, every game from here on in is massive. It's a plastic pitch. It's a tough venue. We've not good travellers to Livingston over the years. Um, we've struggled recently. So it's a massive game um, on, a, on a tricky pitch. So as Kev says, you're asking a lot of the players because probably eight or nine of them will need to go again. I'm looking towards the return game, Kevin, where we bring Real Betis back to Celtic Park. And I know a lot can change between now and December in terms of form and, and injury, etc. But a lot of the players we've mentioned will be back. A lot of the relationships um, that we hope to develop will have developed developed by then. Does tonight's performance fill you with a bit of confidence that, you know what, a tie that we probably didn't think we'd get anything from home or away, 
we might just get, we might just nick a win. We might get something from that game. I mean, you mentioned the Ferenc Varro's doubleheader, right? We'll try and get maximum points from that and everything else we can get, you know, in many ways could be a bonus. But I'm looking at that tonight thinking, get them back to Celtic Park, get some more of our players uh, back to full fitness. And I, I have no fear when Batiste come back to, to Glasgow. I've got no fear either because obviously this is probably just random hope, hopefulness that I've probably got at this precise moment in time post-game. But they made eight changes tonight and you can actually see them, depending on how the group's going, you can see them making maybe eight changes again coming to Celtic Park and they might already be settled, finished settled in the group or whatever. eh? So you've got to be confident of getting a result at home in Europe. I mean, they are a decent side. They will probably go further in this competition, but we'll go. But you just want to give guys a game, eh? You just want them to be scared to come to Celtic Park again and get a game. Because we've been far too easy to get turned over at Celtic Park over the last couple of years. Yes, we've got the, we've had the Lazio game, we've had great moments in that, but there's too many teams come to Celtic Park and are able to wander back up the London Road with three points or, or winning the tie, eh? And that's got to change. Amy, we spoke before the game about the uh, magical target of 10. Um, Have you seen anything tonight that gives you more hope that we are capable of getting about 10 points from this group? We've got to, you know, you've you've got to have the faith that we can we can still get nine points um, from our home games. That was going to be irrelevant, and tonight it's not really changed my opinion. I just still got to hope. Um, and then, do I think we can maybe scrape a point away at Fair and Car at Fair and um, Or I'm not quite so sure about or against Bayer Leverkusen, but you never know. We've got to remain positive. More players back, we we can live in a little bit of hope. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to snipe somebody there and it keeps on moving. I know, it's, it's a tough gig, it's a tough gig, Kev. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was uh, scintillating stuff, seven goals, a bit of a thriller, um, and they even said rip-roaring when they were describing it on the commentary that I was watching, Kev. So they've obviously been tuning into Axel. There's something in the, the comments, and Andy Scott Echo came into the comments there, and he says he stays in Spain. And the Spanish press are praising Celtic style of play. There you go. I'm happy yeah. with that. Well, let's let's leave on that positive note. Let's and leave let's... it. It's been a very positive post-match analysis. I've got to say, all that's left for me to say is thanks for everybody for getting involved. Um, all sixteen, seventeen hundred of you that tuned in live and commented on the various platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe and click the notification button. You'll be entered into monthly prize draws free of charge um, thank you to Kevin Graham thank you to Amy Canavan and we'll see you again tomorrow at 12.30 on a Celtic State of Mind What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. 
Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.